Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Radio Talk Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And today my guest is another wonderful, reasonable voice, Sue Friedman, who is the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation, located at 233 4th Street Northwest in Charlottesville, Virginia. There's a lot to know about Charlottesville as well as Jefferson School, so let me give a little hint and then we'll ask Sue some questions. Charlottesville is, by the way, a designated United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization World Heritage Site. That's the United Nations saying that, uh, which attracts, by the way, both U.S. and international visitors intrigued by how the area helped shape and was shaped by the politics and personalities of America's founding fathers, one of whom, of course, was Thomas Jefferson. And at the end of the Civil War, the New England Freedmen's Aid Society sent a teacher, a female teacher, by the way, Anna Gardner, to Charlottesville to open a school for former slaves. She named the school Jefferson School after the nation's third president, Thomas Jefferson. All right, enough of me. Sue, how are you? And welcome to the show. I am fine, and you just had such an eloquent introduction to our discussion today. I thank you for that. Well, you know, as I said, as I told you before we came in the air, I was so busy thinking about our conversation that I almost forgot to call Sue, but here we are. You know, first of all, um, I want to say I'm very pleased because Sue has been on my local news program a number of times, but not as many times on The Reasonable Voices. And I think for what we want to discuss it is important she is on this show because of the events she has in mind, but also because, as I said in the intro, people from all over the world and certainly all over America come to Charlottesville for many reasons. It's why I bought a home here. I used to come here all the time for historical reasons, and I realized there's even more to Charlottesville, so here we go. But first of all, Sue, maybe we should describe again, I think we spoke a year ago now, Describe to us what the Jefferson School Foundation is to the Jefferson School. What is that relationship? 
Way back in late 90s and early 2000s, when the city of Charlottesville determined that the Jefferson School building would not be utilized for city purposes, they essentially gave the building to the nonprofit, the Jefferson School Foundation, mm. which was created for that purpose. So we are the building owners and managers here of the Jefferson School, now doing business, if you will, as the Jefferson School City Center. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, great. Now that you are there as the executive director, what is the mission of the Jefferson School Foundation? Has it changed? What is your vision of the mission of the Jefferson School? Well, the vision is promoting a respectful and inclusive community. Hmm. Given where we have come from and actually the reasons for the Jefferson School's creation, that is, I think, a very important vision. Mm-hmm. And then the mission it maintains um, preserving and sustaining the Jefferson School as a vibrant and meaningful, vibrant and meaningful community resource. Mm-hmm. And within that, really focusing on cultural and educational opportunities for our Star Hill and Vinegar Hill communities as well as the citizens of Charlottesville, and as you so nicely pointed out, the visitors to the region. Yes. It's become, uh, it's become quite a, um, I forget the, the official phrase for it, maybe you can help me out, but I know that uh, we've had the visitors and convention bureau folks on, and they've said it's a designated tourist site, or uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what they call it, but it is an officially recognized by the government as well as, but that is by the United States government as well as the United Nations. So Exactly. And this building in particular has both United States and State of Virginia uh, designations as a historic site. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about what you have on your mind these days for what's coming up faster than, uh, <laughs> than one can imagine. There's a big dedication, May 2nd, 2020? Yes, absolutely. I'm thrilled to talk about it. We've been working on this since, uh, you know, last summer. Yes. And, and now it's, uh, it's coming into fruition. But on May 2nd, which is a Saturday, between noon and 3, we will be doing a dedication of what was the original building on this site called Jefferson Graded School. Mm. Most people do not realize, if you are in our front yard, if you will, the lawn, there is a square area that is uh, delineated by uh, limestone cinder blocks. Mm -hmm. And it's there, and you look at it, and there is a marker that is... um, about five feet off the ground that explains what that outlined is. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people really don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And when I joined the foundation last year, the board of directors said, we mean to have a dedication there. We haven't had it yet. We'd like to have a dedication of that space. So the original building of the Jefferson School on this property has since been torn down, mm-hmm. but its original foundation from back in the 1800s yes. is still recognized by the Jefferson School Foundation, and we want to dedicate that. Wonderful. You know, I know about that primarily because uh, even before you were involved with the Jefferson School, I directed it 
a couple of videos there, and in my preparation and research for that, I found photographs, old photographs of the building, which I took to mean it was initially an elementary school age yes. one. They called it the graded school, which meant elementary grades. Uh-huh, yes. uh-huh. And was it like a, um, a one-room schoolhouse? I can't remember. I think it had more than one story. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. So its its foundation is still there, and I think it's a good thing to be dedicating it at long last. What are some of the things? I mean, how uh, how, for instance, using this as a this foundation of dedication as a sort of stepping stone here. No pun intended. How does the Jefferson School's historic past, or how do you and your foundation translate that into the twenty first century? Well, that's an excellent question and a very nice lead into the theme for this event. Um, And it's two two events in one day, starting with the dedication, bridging the historic past to a courageous future. Mm. So in addition to the dedication, which also will include an opportunity for individuals to enjoy a trail of history, we're going to create a trail around the grounds of the Jefferson School Mm. where individuals can stop and hear a narrative from individuals who are knowledgeable or perhaps are alumni or descendants of the Jefferson School to help people um, become more acquainted with the history of the Jefferson School on this property. So we'll have a dedication, the trail of history as we're calling it, and then we're also as part of the dedication going to uh, bury a time capsule Hmm. that will be opened on the 200th anniversary of the Jefferson School's first founding, which will be 2065. Wow. Yes, we want to put something there that future generations and those current generations who make it to 100 years or older (laughs) um, can um, have another ceremony at the 200th anniversary, which I assume will be quite a wonderful event yes. in 2065, um, to bring up this time capsule. So we're being very thoughtful about what should be in the time capsule mm. and, in in fact, would welcome thoughts from the community. Mm. Uh, this is going to be my first outreach to the community as we speak today. But if people have thoughts about what should be placed in a time capsule that people in 2065 will get a fuller, deeper understanding about the Jefferson School? I'd be happy to hear them. Well, how do how do they convey those those suggestions and thoughts to you? Is there an email address or or sure. what, what should they do? My email address, and we tried to make it simple. It's Jeff J E F F school foundation all together no spaces jeff school foundation at gmail.com and of course the office number here is 422-1520 so we would be happy to have input from the community thoughtful input about what they would like to see or what they when they're opening the uh, time capsule in 2065 would like to see. 
uh, buried for posterity, for the courageous future, I guess we would say. Yes. And, and also, uh, we, you could mail a letter, I presume, to Sue Friedman at the Jefferson School Foundation, 233 4th Street Northwest, Charlottesville, Virginia, 22903. And, yes, there's always mail, and it is pretty darn reliable. So that would be another <laughs> great option. Okay, well, this is terrific. Wow. So you're reaching out via this show and I'm sure in other ways, to, to get opinions about what to put in the capsule. How about participation? How? Yes. Uh, yes, tell us. Wonderful. In, in the evening, after our daytime dedication, which is absolutely open to everyone in the community and all their friends and relatives who are visiting. So the afternoon event is free, open to the public. We hope they'll join us. The evening event is going to be a dinner right here at the Jefferson School mm-hmm. in the Carver Recreation Center's multi-purpose room, which is first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are concerned about um, accessibility, we are, will be on the first floor. And um, that dinner is going to be continuing the bridging the historic past to a courageous future. We're going to recognize all of those individuals and organizations who made the Jefferson School what it is today. So all of those individuals who've been working on this school for about two decades Mm. to to restore and renovate and open the Jefferson School City Center. And then we're going to celebrate the future of the Jefferson School in in a way that I think will be very exciting to people. Mm. So one of the things we're trying to do, and this is my second invitation to your listeners, is make sure that alumni and descendants of the Jefferson School, particularly the Jefferson School as it served our African-American citizens, are known to us and that if there are stories or individuals who need to be invited and included in the dinner, we certainly want to hear from people. So again, email and address, drop by. Uh-huh. I'm in room 129 in the Jefferson School, uh, or mail. We know that um, it's not always easy to find alumni and descendants, and in this case particularly descendants, because our last graduating class from the Jefferson School was 1959. Mm. And so we, of course, have an alumni association and, of course, have the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center, which has got a wealth of information. But we thought it would be wise to also put a call out to the community and invite the community to share names of individuals, to share stories about the Jefferson School, and to help us make sure that we have the best recognition and celebration event that we possibly can. Wow. That is so, that's just so all-encompassing and and embracing, as you say, past, present, and future. And and I hope people will will take this to heart because there really are many, many descendants of that 1959 uh, graduating class that we, we want to celebrate. We want to, they've been perhaps obviously waiting longer than most of us for for this kind of recognition, not only for them, but for what Jefferson School meant to them. Exactly. And I think, too, 
we know that there are individuals out there who are descendants of the Jefferson School and have gone on to make great accomplishments yes. and great impacts in our community and, and areas outside of our community. And it's important to the committee, we have an excellent committee, that we discover and rediscover these individuals and include them and certainly their thoughts and suggestions in this event. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is exciting. Again, I am so glad we're talking on an international radio show so that everyone in the country and indeed the world can hear about this event, May 2nd, 2020, this dedication. Stick with us. We'll be right back in a few moments with Sue Friedman, the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation in Charlottesville, Virginia, at 233 4th Street Northwest. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. If there are any film fans out there not yet seduced by the charms of Hal Ashby's 1971 dark comedy, it's time to end all that. Harold and Maude now shows up on many best films lists and has become a touchstone film for its generation. Harold and Maude is a love story, but with a catch. The young man in his early 20s is obsessed with death. The woman he loves, almost 60 years his senior, is irrepressibly obsessed with living life to the fullest. They are the perfect match. 79-year-old Maude Chardin is played by the beloved Ruth Gordon, the ever-free-spirited veteran of stage and screen. But Court and his wide-eyed virginal deadpan face hilariously underplays spoiled little rich boy Harold Chasen, whose particular antics we dare not reveal lest we spoil the fun. You might also recognize an uncredited Tom Skerritt as a hilariously befuddled motorcycle cop. Young UCLA student Colin Higgins wrote the Harold and Maude screenplay as his master's thesis, and Cat Stevens cemented his career by providing the delightfully reflective soundtrack. Altogether, a truly masterful team effort, yielding a truly remarkable little film full of big laughs and quirky surprises. If you want to sing out, sing out! Harold and Maude, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Radio News Talk Show. My guest today, Sue Friedman, the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation in Charlottesville, Virginia. We've been talking a great deal not only about Charlottesville's history, but the history of the Jefferson School within Charlottesville, now reaching out to enlarge, to, to magnify, to draw attention to, to remind us of the history of this region and the history of the Jefferson School within the city of Charlottesville and the Commonwealth of Virginia. So let's get back to Sue Friedman. I think what we were talking about at one point, Jasper and Philip Bell. They are two individuals who are well-known alumni um, or descendants of alumni for the Jefferson School that have made their mark in the world and in the community and individuals that have been suggested who might be participating or have great stories for us about the Jefferson School. So there are just a couple of the names that have come forward in the past and various people on the committee like Jimmy Hollins with the, the Burley Alumni Association have a lot more information about their accomplishments and mm -hmm. their impact, but they are an example of the people that we want to make sure 
we reach out to and we hear from and we engage and that they are able to join us on May 2nd. Fantastic. You've been talking about the, the dinner and the evening activities and, of course, the Trail of History, which is exciting. You know, even before anything else, let's go back to the Trail of, of History for a moment. These, you say, will be people who are closely associated with the Jefferson School. Is it going to be like a reenactment or can you give us some idea of what it looks like? And, and, it is like a reenactment. Uh-huh. It's like if, if uh, and I think you made the wonderful analogy, if you had participated in a spirit walk here in uh, Charlottesville. Yes, yes. Or even I think if you've been on one of the kind of walking tours with the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center or with the Historical Society, it will be that kind of an uh, experience because we assume it will be beautiful weather mm-hmm. on May 2nd. We thought we would have individuals who have the knowledge and background and expertise, a connection, if you will, to history and have six or seven stops along the trail, which will, if you will, wander around the grounds Mm. and give um, people an opportunity to come a little before the dedication ceremony, stay a little after the dedication ceremony, and take advantage of learning yet some more information or rediscovering information about the Jefferson School and why this building, this space, this legacy is so critically important to who we are and who we can be. Mm. And that we, we certainly hope and with positive thoughts about the weather will be an outside event. But the dinner itself, will there be people giving us bits of history of the of the building and 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 its various incarnations absolutely we'll likely have an mc we will have of course we will be recognizing the individuals and organizations the tenants in the building as well as the original task force and the group of five or six that was appointed to actually create hmm. the jefferson school african-american heritage center the board of the foundation, many of whom have been on the board since day one. Mm-hmm. You know, the only bank in the community that was able to help us with financing, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And so we'll be doing that recognition. As part of the celebration, though, we want to, again, reach back to that historic past and bring that forward to the courageous future through the present. So... We're thinking about, and we haven't solidified it, but we're thinking about finding a letter, a poem, a document from the Jefferson School from pre-1959, and then have various individuals, whether they're alumni or descendants of alumni, or attended the Jefferson School after it became an integrated place of education, Mm -hmm. um, have different individuals join us to read parts of this document so that we again we're encapsulating the history but we're also engaging all ages Mm. and particularly the younger people because they are going to be at the center of our courageous future and you know i i would think what would, would be most helpful too or certainly one of the things that would be so helpful with dr andrea douglas who is the head of the African-American Heritage Center at the Jefferson School. I know since she's been there, I I have 
scene that they added. I remember before that room was anything but an empty room, but or even had walls at the time when I first saw it. But it now has a, a state-of-the-art computers that are specifically open to the public. If I understand correctly, you can walk in and, and research the history of the area and of the Jefferson School, yes? Absolutely, and they're open, and I really appreciate their thoughtfulness on this. They're open Tuesday through Saturday uh -huh. so that individuals can come in between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., and anyone can come in and do research, do discovery, uh, engage in education to learn more about the full history and the impact of the Jefferson School since 1865. Well, if you ever have time, I'd like to come by and the two of us can go over there and do some research. I love the sound of that. You know, I of love history. Of course, I will be researching away. So almost any Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, <laughs> I would be up for it. All right. Okay, we'll plan on that. I'll call you. Okay, so it just seems to be such an amazing, fulfilling moment in the history of Jefferson School and I remember when I first came here, someone was directing me there because I love history and I had never heard of it. And uh, it it took a little time for me to, you know, from out of town to find it. It was back off the street. And of course, not all of the wonderful things that have taken place in the last few years had happened yet. But I remember thinking, I hope one day this will be, well, to give you a quick story, I did find a single door, a single doorway and knocked on it and there was a um, custodian in and he said you can come in as far as you can and it was only maybe five or six feet that i could enter because there was just nothing had been done and now that's the amazing entrance to the amazing uh carver wreck uh, all-purpose room uh, that you spoke of earlier and it's just a tremendous transition so i i hope everyone will come and look at the history so that they can then see what the present has and then be a part of uh, this future we're talking about. Forgive me, exactly. I'm going on and on, but you've got me excited here. How do oh. we, uh, you know, it's interesting you were, you were saying uh, earlier about uh, the poems and whatever, because I was about to ask you, is there a school song for Jefferson? Was there ever? There is, ah. and the alma mater will be sung on May 2nd. Oh, wow. And in fact, if someone listening has a particularly... Um, great interest in the alma mater and, and especially if they have a connection to the Jefferson School mm -hmm. and can carry a tune we are also looking for someone of course we, we can find someone but again yeah. our goal for both the afternoon dedication and the evening recognition celebration dinner mm -hmm. is to align ourselves with those who have the greatest historical engagement with the Jefferson School. So anytime we can engage alumni or descendants of alumni or individuals who attended Jefferson School during the uh, integration time period in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s, mm -hmm. um, we want to do that. We want to make this a, a, a more of a community event Yes. And, and, and a community event that really reflects that community, which has held Jefferson School near and dear in its heart yes. for many, many decades. It sounds to me that you are, and I hate to state the obvious, but, but I will risk it anyway, that you are reaching out 
to forge a, a, a solid foundation and connection between Jefferson School and the city of Charlottesville and the Commonwealth of Virginia and ultimately the nation. Is that, am I, is that too much hyperbole? Or, or, oh, heavens no. I mean, we, we really believe that Jefferson School, the board believes, and I think they're accurate in this, mm-hmm. that the Jefferson School is a very important component mm. in the city now. I've had a couple of board members say that the Jefferson School is potentially mm-hmm. the most impactful public-private partnership in the city since the creation of the downtown mall. Wow. That's a big statement, well, that, but I think it has validity. Yes, and it sounds like you are on your way along with the board and all the people involved, and of course always remembering those descendants and any involvement past and present with the Jefferson School, that everything seems to be coming in that direction, seems to be pointed in that direction. And that's a marvelous thing. And and, and, and there are so many people who have been involved, as you say. Well, for one, the Daily Progress, I'll give them a shout out. They are very much involved and have been involved in trying to give the Jefferson School focus. But also, you mentioned your nonprofit board. It's uh, how many people? It's not a lot of people, but they've been they've been, have a lot of stick to itiveness. Yes, uh, our board is now at six members, and uh, we'll be growing the board a little more. But that the nucleus of the board has been involved since day one, mm. and um, a lot of effort, both state historic tax credits and now federal historic tax credits have been applied for, received, and are now completed. That's um, just anecdotally, I wasn't here then, but Mm -hmm. I see the 15 boxes of files in my office. Mm. That is a very complicated, arduous process, the historic tax credit process. I believe it's a similar one that the Paramount went through. Mm -hmm. And so to, to stay the course... And not only stay the course, but stay the course with such passion and commitment. Yes. I really, uh, my hat is off to the board members, and particularly Martin Burks and Deborah Bell Burks. You know, the uh, owners of J.F. Bell Funeral Homes. Yes, I was going to mention them. Right here in the Star Hill neighborhood. Yes. And they lovingly and willingly accepted this opportunity and this responsibility and, shall we say, this task mm. of taking a pretty dismally run-down building, as you recall when yes. you visited, and restoring it to what it is today. That's marvelous. I was going to mention them or ask about them because I have met them, again, my video work at the Jefferson School, and found them incredible. Well, first of all, he's got this voice, you know, and they are pillars in the community, and they certainly have, uh, as you say, have certainly been a huge part of where the Jefferson School has been and is heading. And also, uh, one of my favorite people I met during the video, um, I, can't, I don't remember his first name, I, I, but Mr. Gaines, yes? Oh, yes, yes Mr. Gaines. Yes, he's, he's walking history, first of all. Um, yes. And I, I hope I will get to see him again in, in May. But tell us now, sort of wrap this up, bring us full circle here, whatever we need to do so we have to go soon. The ultimate goal here, I mean, the immediate goal, I understand, is what you, the dedication of May 2nd and the reaching out 
where is that for you? Where do you see the, the best possible conclusion of that? How, where does that go after May 2nd, I guess is my question. Certainly. Well, after May 2nd, the celebration part is uh, really in celebrating what the future can offer us. Mm -hmm. And two particular things that we're looking at, the future of what this space and this building can be in this community. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion about that. And then secondly, we know that we will have many more options to do what it is the community and the city would expect or desire from the Jefferson School mm. when our bank loan is retired. Mm. So we will end the evening on May 2nd inviting the community to join us in retiring the debt. Our bank loan runs till December of 2027, mm -hmm. and our goal would be to make sure that on December 2027, all of that loan is completely paid off. And then once the loan is paid off, the money we now use to make mortgage payments and interest payments can go back into further expanding the vision and mission for this building. Excellent. All right. We haven't, uh, I mean, this is marvelous. I mean, I love the way you think anyway, you know, but we haven't spoken about uh, tickets. Are there tickets? I mean, ah, yeah. Yes. yes. I wasn't going to let you get away, Marcello. <laughs> I was going to talk about that. Tickets are $75 for the recognition celebration dinner, which will include an absolutely delicious meal mm. from Pearl Island Catering. I, oh. They've offered me a tasting uh, time, and I, I'm almost worried that I shouldn't do it because <laughs> how can you decide when you taste that food? So mm -hmm. uh, dinner is $75, which will include the dinner, of course, and then probably a little bit of a cocktail hour. We're working on that. And then, of course, being part of the recognition and the celebration. Mm. Uh, Carver Recreation Center can hold 196 people. Mm -hmm. And so that is absolutely our goal, to have 196 people with us. A table sponsorship, which does include some recognition of you as a table sponsor, mm -hmm. will be $1,000. And then we do have other sponsorship levels available for organizations or businesses who might be interested. Because our ultimate goal is, number one, to, of course, pay the expenses. Mm -hmm. And number two, for those who are being recognized, as an example, for alumni of the Jefferson School who graduated from the Jefferson School, we would like for them to attend as our guests. Mm, and so th a lot of the sponsorship funding will make that possible. Excellent. Beautiful, Sue Friedman. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Yes. And, you know, hats off to the Jefferson School. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a history. And in many ways, America's history. Let's face Absolutely. it. You know? All right. Well, we must run. We've been having a marvelous conversation with Sue Friedman, the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation, located at 233 4th Street Northwest in Charlottesville, Virginia, 22903. Do please be in touch. We'll have Sue give us all the contact information again. But become involved. This is living history, 
And we owe it to ourselves to, in order to get into our future, to understand where we've been and to launch from this marvelous opportunity in our present. Tell us, Sue Friedman, again, all the various ways we can communicate with you for not only suggestions, but buying tickets for the event and and offering general support and finding descendants to attend and honor. Exactly. Well, my phone number again, 422-1520. The email address is Jeff, J-E-F-F, schoolfoundation at gmail.com. We are at 233 4th Street Northwest here in Charlottesville with the zip code of 22903, not to be confused with the downtown zip code, so Mm. 22903. And, of course, if you want to visit 233 4th Street Northwest, I am in room 129. Well, there you have it. What <laughs> You can't say you don't know how to communicate your thoughts and feelings and buying tickets with, with Sue Friedman. We now uh, have to say goodbye to our good friend and reasonable voice, Sue Friedman, the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation. And, of course, Sue, we wish you and everyone involved at the Jefferson School all the very best past, present, and future. Thank you so much. I always appreciate this opportunity and a very belated but still appropriate Happy New Year. Yes, to you and everyone too, all listening. Let's make it a Happy New Year together. Amen. Bye, dear. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. Getting old. There comes a time when you start to realize it's too late to regain what's lost. You feel you've become too old to be relevant. The sometimes only slightly younger, the workplace, and the world in general all seem to shy away. Yet even when we acknowledge that life may never again be as it once was, or as we wanted it to be, choice remains. And there resides the potential for poignant, relevant, and deeply moving stories. I'll See You in My Dreams, starring Blythe Danner. Must we remember this wonderfully talented star of stage and screen merely as the mother of Gwyneth Paltrow? Here, Danner plays a widow and former singer facing just such a turning point. With a little help from her friends, she makes choices again. She falls in love again with Sam Elliott, no less. She begins to end her isolation and reconnect to the life around her. This is a funny and compassionate story. A story for all of us. I'll See You in My Dreams falls within the so-called silver dollar genre. Sensitive films that touch the heart of a certain generation. A generation that is still ever growing. I'll See You in My Dreams, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Dawn to dusk, ashes to dust. 150 years after Appomattox, African-American churchgoers still under attack. One man's faith is another's carefully taught fear. Heads bowed or eyes uplifted, American transformation has always frightened the status quo. 1776, 1865, the 1960s, from Thomas Jefferson's inconsistencies to Ferguson, Baltimore, and now Charleston. 
Will we never rise up from decaying infrastructure to rejuvenate on the golden rule bridge? 150 years after emancipation, descendants of enslaved people are still targeted on neighborhood streets and during Bible study in the first social institution fully controlled by black men in America, by armed descendants of slave owners carefully taught to cull cultural evolution. Political, religious, racial, and sexual transformation are violently shaking our reactionary M.O., poo-pooing Pope's wholly universal view of humanity slogging through an immense pile of filth, having abandoned earth stewardship, thinking tithing our only charge, like Red Pollard we're looking over our shoulder too late to win the race with the oceans. We drown in commercialized ignorance of dwindling drinking water, mistaking guns and money for oars. 150 years after Lee and Grant separately signed for peace together, it is for us, the great-grandchildren and our children's children, to keep trying to win the good fight against the tragic consequences of hate. But... Is it likely South Carolina lawmakers will at least make a symbolic gesture of respect to six women and three men slain in Charleston now that secret Cook brothers party pal Justin Clarence Thomas has tagged Confederate flag license plates? Truth is, no matter our skin color, family background, no matter our education, dress, or address, no matter our uncast vote or filled-out ballot, no matter our sleep partner or orifice preference, no matter the aisle side with which we identify, gated community or walk-up, unless you're wallowing in luxurious corporatism bonuses, you are the 99%. We are the company we keep electing, so elect those who reject anyone being target practice for hate, murder, and bullies of every kind. Voting is the glue of love and hope needed to transform us in unity, and nonviolent protests are the only way to right our ship of state. A hundred and fifty years after our first presidential assassination is too long for continually kicking the can down the road to children whose life expectancy is now declining in quantity and quality with each succeeding generation. Whether our weather comes from God, countrymen, or Martians, climate change is here and will continue changing us until we hop out of the simmering pot of denial. History-Making Facts Bilderberg has given G7 membership notice to give producers of fossil fuels notice to monopolize renewables before the end of the 21st century. FDA orders food manufacturers to stop using trans fat in our food within the next three years. What's next? Pharmaceutical pushers of statin addiction taken off Viagra? 
150 years after the Jefferson School opened in Charlottesville, Virginia, in October 1865, it remains a beacon for the half that has yet been told. More than a restoration of the past, the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center is a cultural renaissance, transforming our future quality of life and liberty with the pursuit of the whole herstory as well as history. 154 years after April 12, 1861 gun violence, I was the Spoleto Festival Rehearsal Department Director in the Low Country of Charleston. 150 years after the Civil War it started, Dylan Roof is not Charleston, but the families who forgive him are. Although evolution has always terrified some Americans, our national progress is in forward thinking together. Are we ready to transform out of the gun and flag conflicts into the brilliance of ensemble? We're not just whistling Dixie anymore. We're transforming into a multiracial symphony. Separate but equal medley isn't enough. We've got to learn to harmonize. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you, especially to our founding fathers and all our dads. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.